Welcome to Deleted Saves. On this episode, Bioshock on Xbox 360. What would happen, do you think, if you were to awaken suddenly, the only survivor of some horrid incident, only to discover yourself trapped in the ruins of an ultra-capitalist utopia? What would you do? And do you think you could survive? That is just a few of the questions posed by today's topic, 2007's Bioshock. Bioshock is the result of many inspirations. First and foremost, it is considered by many to be the spiritual successor to sci-fi space survival horror first-person shooter System Shock. It also draws inspiration from Resident Evil 4, and uses the concepts of biopunk, a steampunk-like subgenre of fiction, and retrofuturism, an art style close to art deco of the past but depicts the future as it may be expected. The covers of 1960s sci-fi novels are rife with this sort of style, full of massive city-sized airplanes and people wearing formal dinner attire fit for the decade while dining on their private moon base. Fun stuff. But at the same time, it draws on several magnetic personalities of American history, notably J.D. Rockefeller and Walt Disney, men who were absolute shits, real human garbage, but drove capital I industry. In addition, it uses the philosophy of several 20th century thinkers, such as Aldous Huxley or George Orwell, but most strongly draws from the philosophy and fiction of Ayn Rand. Hold that thought. We'll get back to that. The game begins with the player swimming away from a plane crash in the Atlantic Ocean, swimming towards a lone lighthouse who knows how many miles from any shore. The player scrabbles up the steps like a waterlogged rat and into the maw of this lighthouse to reveal something curious. A massive golden statue of a man, flanked by the words, No gods are masters. More curious, there's some sort of diving bell in a pool, waiting for the player. You play as... well, we're not quite sure. This is an FPS, and thus far we have not seen the character beyond two fists and the sleeves of a beige wool sweater. We know the character is named Jack, and it is assumed to be a young man. We also know the year is 1960, so not that far in the past for us here in 2022. Once inside the diving bell, it drags you below the sea driven by radio signals to a predetermined location and place of unbelievable marvels. Rapture, a city-state at the bottom of the ocean, separate from any nation and unaffected by the Cold War seething in the world above. But something is wrong. When Jack arrives at the diving bell's destination, he is attacked by crazed, bunny-mask-wearing withered humans, insane beings mutated by the use of Adam, a mutagen farmed from sea creatures that allows people to develop psychokinetic powers such as hurling fireballs or lightning or creating psychic shockwaves. But overused, it brings about insanity. And whoever lived down here is suffering the worst hangover in history, as the last reliable dates of what happened may be on New Year's Eve, 1959. As we progress further into the game, we meet more mutants called Splicers, and the guardians of this decaying rapture. Massive diving suits loaded with guns and giant drill hands called Big Daddies. It is rumored there may even be humans in those suits, trapped forever in their own personal hells. The Big Daddies are flanked by little sisters, literal children, little girls with sallow skins and stained dresses, with big yellow eyes and armed with giant syringes who suck Adam from the marrow of the many, many corpses littering Rapture. The story is told mostly through the environment with through audio logs that come in massive cassette form, and from two guides, a man named Atlas, who helps Jack survive through radio calls while begging Jack to help save his family, and one Andrew Ryan, 
industrialist, capitalist, and the mind behind the glory that was rapture. Ryan's name is an anagram of Ayn Rand. And now might be a good time to circle back to that earlier point. Ayn Rand was a woman with an interesting idea. What if only the best of us were allowed to truly be superhuman? To be free of concerns like following the law, or having to be held up by the affairs of lesser people, usually non-whites or those considered of lower intelligence and creativity. Rand created her philosophy, called objectivism, in which the core tenet was the, quote, concept of man as heroic being, with reason his only absolute and his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life, end quote. Although similar in sentiment, it is not to be confused with the central tenet of the Aleister Crowley, and boy, we haven't heard from him since the review of Nightmare Creatures, religion Thelema, which is, quote, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law, end quote. Oddly enough, Crowley is more responsible here. This translates for objectivists into believing in a wholesale disregard for anyone other than themselves and those who share in this philosophy, or believe in their works and disregard anything that gets in their way of their achieving their goals. Ultimate selfishness for the benefit of all, supposedly. In a way, objectivism seems to believe capitalism does not go far enough in dividing people into class structures, and believes any sort of social safety net, such as health insurance, social security for the elderly, public schools, or the like, should be completely removed and banned, allowing those not successful for their own means or fortunate enough to be born to exceptional circumstances to literally drop dead so that man, again, white man generally, can be allowed to be truly successful. Objectivism becomes a form of economic eugenics in that fashion, which, funny enough, can lead to very real eugenics, another discredited philosophy, and the one practiced by Nazi Germany. In the mid-2010s, objectivism saw a rise in popularity in America, usually in middle-class white neighborhoods, in response to a world they felt was becoming too liberal, especially with a duly elected black man in the office of President of the United States. This manifested in such things as the Tea Party, the concept of sovereign citizens, and corporations being legally allowed to lobby the U.S. government as individual citizens rather than companies. But it is not quite the same thing as the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers hate movements, as most modern practitioners of objectivism would not go so far to label themselves a far-right militia. Or the Federalist Society, that has so influenced much of U.S. politics since the year 2000, as that group believes in originalist interpretation of the Constitution, a document written by imperfect, classist, slave-owning, sexist white men looking to become the new American royalty. How does this relate to a fun shoot-em-up game I hear some of you screaming? Politics, motherfuckers. Your games be loaded with them. Despite objectivism being a now-discredited socioeconomic philosophy, it is the absolute drive of Andrew Ryan. And before I go on, if any of y'all listening think I'm wrong about objectivism or are followers of that philosophy, I'm not. It's discredited, borderline racist as philosophies go, and most certainly classist in its goals. Don't at me. I ain't having it. Andrew Ryan created Rapture to elevate man. He even has an opening screed that greets visitors to his city-state, in which he bluntly states that he says no to the man in Washington, no to the man in Moscow, and no to the man in the Vatican, as the profits of his works should go to none but himself, not a government, not the people, and certainly not God. 
Not how human society works, sorry to say, dude. 6,000 plus years of recorded civilization has proven otherwise. Ryan believes his is a city where everyone with the balls, the cash, and the brains to be truly be great can be, regardless of who it hurts. Capitalism of the kind a Rockefeller or a Carnegie would be proud of. If those names are not familiar, look them up. But just remember that the philanthropist stuff was a calculated tax dodge, and a desperate attempt to clean up the public images of lives lived as strong-armed con men and as government-backed murderers. But Ryan's allowances, appetites, and hands-off economics in a city under the sea, ruled by the highest bidder, this hybrid gerinocracy-plutocracy, caused rapture to collapse under the weight of its own excesses, leading aforementioned economic eugenics to very real eugenics, the kind that allowed for the rampant spread of gene splicing through Adam, the stealing or selling of little girls into the big little sister program, overseen by a Dr. Bridget Tenenbaum, and the biomutants that became big daddies that control the city. Jack, our protagonist, quickly finds himself fighting for his life in a very video gamey fashion, picking up guns and a wrench to survive, hacking vending machines for food and supplies, upgrading his guns with all sorts of Flash Gordon-style doodads, and then violently stabbing himself in the wrists with atom-filled syringes to give himself the very superhuman powers the splicers have been gifted with, giving himself a very Doom-esque two-fisted SBF approach, firing a powerful shotgun in one hand, hurling lightning with the other. As, his follow, as he follows Atlas' direction, and the taunts of Ryan, all by radio, Jack cuts a swath of destruction over the last groups of the rap and survivors of Rapture. But along the way, he must make a choice. One of the biggest of the game. Another survivor, Dr. Tenenbaum, has asked Jack to actually save the little sisters, as she created them and regrets it all. Jack can save them by killing their psychically linked daddy and removing the atom from them to cleanse them, or he can suck them dry like a psychic vampire and outright kill them for even more Adam. This binary will affect the end of the game. But spoilers ahead, because it's time to discuss the meat of the game. Jack, it turns out, is being lied to the whole game by Atlas. Atlas, real name Fontaine, has been dragging Jack all over Rapture to make him stronger and weaken the position of Ryan, who, it turns out, has been somewhat truthful at least as much as a self-serving narcissist can be truthful. Jack has had a Cold War-style trigger phrase implanted in his head since he was an infant. Anyone saying the phrase, would you kindly, causes Jack to trigger and do whatever the requester asks without question or thought. When Jack meets with Ryan, and it is inevitable the two should meet, Andrew Ryan makes a shocking confession. The protagonist, Jack, is his biological son, Jack Ryan. But here's the thing. Jack is a genetically engineered baby, growing and maturing far faster than a normal child. Ryan had invi invited the world's best post-World War II German scientists to Rapture to continue their work, and Jack is the result. Which is why he survived for so long. But as Fontaine, Jack's, Ryan's rival, got a hold of the trigger phrase, the work they did to poor Jack turns out a little too well. While demanding Jack to think for himself, Ryan is beaten to death by Jack, who cannot shake the would-you-kindly training, in a glorious fountain of gore thanks to one of Ryan's own golf clubs. It is from this point that Jack breaks free and confronts Fontaine, 
who has turned himself into a sort of anti-Dr. Manhattan creature by overdosing on Adam. From there, which ending you get is based on whether Jack survived and saved the Little Sisters or not. It is not very satisfying an ending for all the excellent writing and highbrow thought put into this game. But it is still a video game after all, and needs to have those game mechanics serving moments. But there is another undercurrent to Bioshock. Rapture exists for those who don't belong to the greater society. Main creator slash writer Ken Levine said a lot of the people behind the inspiration for the game are culturally Jewish. As in as is he, but he does not practice the religion portion himself. He was quoted as saying that his inspiration was his own Jewishness, not feeling like there was a place anywhere for Jews. I can understand this, as historically the Jewish people have been slaughtered or forced to flee from every home that they had because of their beliefs and culture, as it has always run counter to the larger society's religions and cultures. I cannot imagine what this must feel like. But it is also a sadly human experience, as the tribalism that helped us survive when we were living in caves and being chased by saber-toothed tigers is not fit for actual societies where we all need to get along to survive, but we're hardwired to that tribalism. Thus, there will always be a dream of rapture, and very likely the disaster that awaits for those trying to make that dream a reality. Why do I add this specific point when the game is full of Cold War movie references, the philosophy of selfishness, and nods to the industrialists who built America? Because nothing in this life is cut and dry. No true heroes or villains, just people. Silly, repugnant, screwed-up people trying to make life a little less terrible from the cradle to the grave, but never being in sync with the world around them. And for them, like us, there will always be the need for a place like Rapture. As you can imagine, Bioshock was one of the best-selling games of 2007, winning dozens of awards and receiving a mountain of praise, even outside the usual suspects of gaming journalism, garnering grudging respect and recognition in the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times for being a thinking, feeling man's game. But with praise comes criticism. As it was famously pointed out, that there is almost no loss of Adam harvesting for killing the little sisters as opposed to saving them, making the binary save or kill moral choice pointless, and the sisters just a mechanic with no thought. Another critic of the game said it exhibited the idea of selfishness to help others, again, objectivism, while exhibiting selfishness to kill little sisters, citing the term ludonarrative dissonance. No, it's not the big Muppet from the movie Labyrinth, and I hope to whatever God still favor me to never have to say that hipster critic bullshit on this show again. Again, from my part, this game was amazing. It was exactly what it said it was going to be, as I didn't play it until at least a year after the gaming discourse around it had moved on to whatever the hell they were interested in, like digital magpies. It is not a demanding FPS as something like Quake, which I've said before is perfect for me, meaning I was actually able to finish the game. The story was rich, even if I didn't did know the ending by the time I played it. I'm not particularly bothered by spoilers, and there was a time that the internet was loaded with them before vocal groups began to loudly demand online no-spoiler zones. So if you had to be ready to be spoiled if you couldn't play the game right away. There were some great survival horror jump scares, but it was a game not a game loaded with dread, more a cinematic series of scares that could be countered by copious amounts of gunfire. 
The use of Art Deco artwork was simply inspired, and I hope more games will find an excuse to use it in their own settings as time goes on. And it is the best we know, and it is for the best that we know little about our character we play, so that we as players can insert ourselves into the shoes of Jack and be more involved in the plot. Not every mechanic in the game is great, or used well, but hell, considering how many Bethesda games I've played, I'm not exactly a games me mechanic snob. Bioshock is everything it's cracked up to be, even if I am opposed to the philosophy it is based on and the monsters of America it praises. It is a game all players should experience at least once. Now, would you kindly go try it out for yourselves? Thank you for listening.